You're listening to Reading Glasses, <laughs> a spooky show about book culture and scary literary life designed to help you read better from the grave. <laughs> I'm author and book ghoul Mallory O'Mara. <laughs> and I'm Bria Spooky Grant. <laughs> Wow, I really failed. Um, I immediately gave up. I didn't commit. Uh, (laughs) A filmmaker and e-reader who lives in a spooky house in the spooky (laughs) woods. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Yay! This episode is a spooky episode. (laughs) It's about books. About Books about scary books. It's a book episode about scary books. It's book inception, but scary. Um, (laughs) And we're interviewing author and librarian Megan Rosenblum. But first, Bria, what are you reading? (laughs) Um, Besides a crusty grimoire with evil spells in it. (laughs) I am reading a spooky book that uh, I feel like a lot of people reading glasses... um, the reading glasses Slack we're talking about. Um, it, I think it was in the Slack they were talking about it. Um, it's called It Will Just Be Us, a novel by Joe Kaplan. Um, and it is a gothic horror novel about a haunted house in a swamp. I don't know how I'm reading it before you. <laughs> this feels like a Mallory well, book. Well, I will say, I know how you're reading it before me because you texted me that you were reading this and the, L- the Los Angeles Public Library doesn't have physical copies of this book. It's time to get a Kindle, I think. Because <laughs> this is, it's very, very inspired by Shirley Jackson's We've Always Lived in the Castle. The, very, the first part reminded me so much of it. I was like, it, it's very similar. But then it kind of becomes a snow book and it's, it's, um... It's about this spooky house where these these people, this family lives, this this mother and the daughter, and then the other daughter comes back pregnant, um, and she uh, has separated from her husband, and um, uh, that the people in the town don't like them, um, and um, what you learn very quickly, though, is that the house is full of ghosts that the main daughter, who the story is from her point of view, um, can see. And she can see all the things that have happened in the past. So, you know, if you want to relive this one moment between these, the this elderly couple who lived here and fought over what to watch on TV or something, you watch that moment. Like, everything replays over and over in the house. And um, then she sees something that really spooks her because it's a, something from the future and not from the past. And that is... Where the book leads you. Um, But it's awesome so far. I'm really enjoying it. It's scary, but it hasn't been so scary. Put a book in your freezer scary. So um, I I will will update people. You put it in the fridge? Put it in the, (laughs) just right in the fridge. It's fine. Um, I will say um, definitely trigger warnings. Check the trigger warnings uh, for like assault and a couple of other things. Because very early in the book, you get to some things like that that are really intense. Uh, also for animal harm, a couple other things. So check the trigger warnings before you read it. But it is really, really cool. Great location. I'm very interested to in see where it goes. Um, what are you reading, Mallory? Uh, I am reading a scary middle grade book that actually, this is the first book I've read so far in my marathon of spooky book reading um, that actually really scared me. Mm. Uh, it's called The Night Gardener uh, by Jonathan Oxier. And it is, it's like a historical fiction, middle grade horror. So there's a lot going on. There's these two kids. Uh, well, one of them's a teenager. She's 14 and her little brother, he's younger. Um, 
and they are orphans. Uh, they are traveling. So it takes place during uh, the Great Famine in Ireland. And these are the two Irish orphans and they've traveled down to England and they're trying to find work. They're trying to find someone to take them in. And they ended up, they end up finding, they go to this, this, uh, this small town and they end up finding this um, very fancy mansion, this like beautiful home that needs help needs servants and they get there and uh the house is built around this really creepy scary tree and from go like from go you know something spooky's going on with that tree that something's weird is going on with the family um something is draining the life of this family they all, the family like look, looks all pale and and sunken and so this, this these two plucky irish tw- irish kids are going to try to find out what is going on um with this tree with w- what's what's happening to this family and it is genuinely scary um i will say the um the the boy is disabled he uses a crutch and i i'm not finished with the book yet so i'm hoping that maybe things turn around a little bit but if you are sensitive to um people like descriptions of disabled people like they're like one of the kids in the house makes fun of this kid for the mm-hmm. fact that he uses a crutch and it is obviously trigger warnings for that it's very i'm hoping this nasty kid gets his comeuppance uh but it is it's so much fun it is so spooky it is definitely like this is this is a one chilly rating for uh for spookiness uh it freaked me out it's the kind of book that i didn't like want to read before bed (laughs) because i was scared wow Uh, but it's really really fun it's great it's uh it's called the night garner by jonathan oxier and mine is it will just be us by joe kaplan We want to take a moment to share some listener feedback and we have some follow-up from Amy, the listener who wrote in about not being allowed to read Babysitter's Club books. Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, So uh, Amy says, I feel an explanation is in order as yes, the Babysitter's Club was too racy. Wow. Yes. Seventh graders having boyfriends gasped the horror. I heard a podcast last year on Book Riot. I think about how wholesome these books are. Uh, teamwork, caring for children, fiscal responsibility, family family values. I could go on. And reading personally, I'm in the camp that I will not censor, censor my kids reading. You want to read something above your age level, go for it. We can deal with the consequences of reading or horror or romance after. Anyways, certainly for me, Goosebumps and Sweet Valley High were out of the question. Way too <laughs> objectionable. Uh, this year has bought on the biggest reading slump for a lot of people i think uh but i read like five murder she wrote and five babysitters clubs uh and we are moving on to spooky season so i'll be picking up the goosebumps books uh i'm still a rebel and i'm gonna read those books damn it and second actual horror books are too scary for me since growing up in that environment i was taught that that shit is real it still terrifies me oh wow wow that is so like what a fun reading project though is going back and reading the books that you were not allowed to read when you were a kid yeah, we should do an episode on that a banned bo- about banned books, but also banned personal books. Books, books yes. that were personally banned from you. Actually, because every year we, I keep meaning to do a banned books episode during banned books week, and I never get my shit together in time. Next year, we're going to do it. Yeah. So Claire writes in and says, I just listened to the book donation episode and wanted to mention a great charity that I've been a part of since the pandemic. Letters Against Isolation is a service that reaches out to senior citizens around the country and Canada and connects volunteers to their addresses so you can write letters to seniors every week. It's very low commitment. You sign up to be a volunteer and then sign up for the number of letters you want to send every week. There is no pressure and no minimum amount of letters required. You can write as much or as little as you want. I found that writing letters can be really fun and it feels great knowing that I connect, I'm connecting with someone who needs it. You can learn more and sign up at lettersagainstisolation.com and we'll put the link in the show notes. That's really great. Someone's That's asking, awesome. 
and I had trouble. I could only link them to like this article I had found on like CNN about this. So this is awesome. Lettersagainstisolation.com. If you have extra time, this is such a wonderful thing to do. And there's definitely someone out there who would really appreciate getting a letter from you. This is fantastic. And we said that if you did this, you could do this instead of donating a book. Yes. Yeah. So this will count for your reading glasses and maybe ultimately some sweet, sweet free Chipotle, (laughs) which is really what we all want in life. (laughs) I will say we got more um, feedback about the book nostalgia episode than almost any other episode besides maybe the bird book. So people really are hungry for this, the thrill of earning free food through reading. So (laughs) definitely check this out. And then Alexandra wrote in with the wheelhouse, which is romances with a diverse cast, especially if subsequent books are about secondary characters from previous books, uh, epic fantasy with lyrical prose, a well-structured magic system, whimsical setting in worlds with rules, satirical feminist essays, and books about people who really love food but aren't cookbooks. Oh, I like that That definitely too. is like a weird niche genre of novels about like, you know, like the Midnight at the Blackbird Cafe yeah. and Sourdough. I think you kind of like that, Bria. I, I do, I do. And there's not that many of them. And I also like them to have a little bit of magical realism in them. So like yes. books about people who love food and have magical realist elements, those are like the yeah, love spot for me. They love magical food. Yeah. <laughs> the food doesn't have to be magic, but something about the food is magic. Like it makes something, <laughs> it does something for people when you eat it, which I do think food is magical. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Quick bookmark. It is Halloween and Bria and I took the time to make a special curated section of our book, bookshop.org store. Uh, that's all Halloween books uh, that we love. We have read, we finished. Sometimes we've read multiple times and we absolutely adore them. I think there's like 20 or 30 books in there. So if it's Halloween week, uh, you're excited, you want to read something spooky, check it out. Uh, there's some really great books in there. Uh, there's there's some comics, there's some novels, there's some short story collections. Uh, we had we had fun putting it together uh, and there's a link in the show notes. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about books about scary books, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, y'all. Another bookmark from me and Mallory. Um, It's time to vote. If you haven't done it yet, it's time. It is time to vote. Voting happens right now. You have a couple of days left. It's very important to have your voice heard, and this is a great way to get that voice heard. So we're encouraging everyone to get out and vote. And if this is your first time voting, we want to offer something to you. Uh, Just let us know it's your first time by sending us an email to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com, and we will send you a free book recommendation based on your wheelhouse. So send us an email. Say, hey, it's the first time that I voted in the election. I'm very excited, and here's my wheelhouse, and we will send you a recommendation from both of us uh, from our email address. Um, We're very excited if it's your first time voting. We're very excited if it's your 50 millionth time voting. All of it is really important, and we just want to encourage you to get out there and vote. It is so important for our democracy right now. You hear us talk about it all the time on the show, about the way the world is, and if you want to see change, there's lots of things you can do, but this is one way that we would really encourage you to do. Um, so send it, send it to us if you're voting for the first time, but also if you're not voting for the first time, go vote anyway. Just takes a few minutes and you can say you voted in a very historical election. How about that? That's exciting. Uh, so go vote. Let us know you voted. Send a, tag us in, in things if you voted. We're excited. Um, congratulations if you voted. Crossing our fingers. (laughs) 
Reading Glasses is supported in part by Nightfire, presenting Come Join Us by the Fire. Come Join Us by the Fire Season 2 is a free audio-only collection featuring 27 authors from across the horror genre, exclusively available on Google Play. Standouts from Come Join Us by the Fire Season 2 include nine original stories by folks such as Daniel M. Lavery and Laird Barron, and terrifying stories from T. Kingfisher, Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, and Cassandra Ka. This season features The Quiet Boy by Nick Antosca, which was adapted into the upcoming film Antlers, starring Carrie Russell. Y'all know we're big fans of T. King Fisher and Sylvia Marina Garcia on this show, so this sounds like something we can definitely recommend. Visit tornightfire.com for more. That's T-O-R-N-I-G-H-T-F-I-R-E.com. Winner up the podcast you're listening to to tell you about another podcast. That's right. We got this with Mark and Hal. That's correct, Mark. This is Hal. We do the hard work for you, settling all of the meaningless arguments you have with your friends. So tune in every week on the Maximum Fun Network for We Got This with Mark and Hal. And all your questions will be asked and answered. You're welcome. All right. That's enough of that. We got this. This week, it's the best time of the year for me and Bria. It's Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy it is. Halloween. We're excited to do this episode because this year is an extra tough Halloween because we're all doing it in quarantine. A lot of our normal Halloween activities cannot be cannot happen this year. Uh, so we're excited to be able to do uh, a spooky Halloween episode in isolation. Uh, so our, for our special Halloween this year, we're talking about a spooky show, subgenre of a popular wheelhouse item for folks. Every A lot of people love books about books Mm -hmm. but what about books about scary books Mm. haunted books evil books so we're discussing and recommending some of our favorites mallory what is your first pick for uh an evil evil book haunted book scary book situation i realize i think i should put this in my wheelhouse uh and I definitely need more of it. Uh, I want to say, so one, I, I think I've talked about on the show before, one movie that I would love to remake is uh, The Ninth Gate, which is an adaptation of The the Club Dumas by Arturo Perez Reverte. Uh, so it's all about a book detective, which are already like, what a dream. Book detective. Uh, he, that could be your job if you decide to retire. You oh, could be a book I, detective. I or, would love to be a rare book detective. It would be fun to write a graphic novel that is called Book Detective, but it's actually just a book walking around in a detective outfit with a detective <laughs> hat, and it's like a literal book detect a book that's a detective. And he has a knife stuck in the top of yeah, him, so yeah, in yeah. case somebody tries to mug him. Uh, so it's all about this book detective, and he's hired to look for this possibly evil book. Um, but the movie, and I've said this before, even though I don't like talking about things that I don't like, I wasn't nuts about the ending, um, and I will say, I also wasn't super nuts about the ending of the book because uh, it takes a totally different direction. So if folks have more recommendations for a book like this, please send it over. All I want in my life is to be a detective that hunts for possibly satanic books. <laughs> uh, what is your first pick? 
Uh, my first pick, um, which I talked about on the show pretty recently, um, but I wanted to bring it up again, is Midnight at the Bright Ideas Bookstore by Matthew J. Sullivan. Um, it's, a, it's about um, a bookshop and a patron commits suicide, and then this bookshop worker has to figure out what happened, and she's kind of inspired to figure out what happens when she finds this creepy, defaced book, and it may have a hidden message to see what happened, Ooh. and it becomes this mystery where she has to figure it out. So not only does it check, like, the creepy book box, but it also checks the bookstore box, which I know I was a lot say, of us like. This is like, like double book, but double book wheelhouse. Very much so, and um, and it's and it's it's a bit of a mystery too. So if people are looking for something more in the mystery camp, I think this could could work for that as well. Um, what what is your second one? Um, mine is Mister Be Gone by Clive Barker. Um, and it's so it's a novel where the scary book is supposed to be the actual book that you're reading. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's it's from the point of view of this demon, and as he's telling the story about him accidentally getting booted from hell and brought to Earth, uh, he's like warning you, like, hey, you know, you shouldn't be reading this book. You really should put this book down. You should burn this book that you're holding. So it's really it's really fun. It's like you know you're going through it and he like has all these asides where he's like yeah you the reader you should throw this in the garbage right now to save your life run run it's like it's it's adorable and it's this uh it's not super scary it's more like you know halloween adjacent and that it's about this demon and, and like him figuring out all his demon stuff and dealing with his demon dad um but it's really really fun uh what's your next pick my next one is Kill Creek by Scott Thomas. Um, which oh, I, I still I, need to read this. Yeah, I think it's being made into a movie or something right now, but it's about a bunch of horror authors who are all invited to one house for one night. It's a spooky haunted house. So it also would fill that haunted house thing. Um, and they all are famous in their own field, and uh, but they all write within certain genre, subgenres of horror. And they have to deal um, with the haunted house, but also just like these things that they've been dealing with all on the same night. And then what happens is they go home and write afterwards. The book does not end at the end of the haunted house night. It, they go home and write and they realize they're all kind of writing about the same thing, but I, I can't totally remember, but like they don't totally remember what happens. So there's a lot of things that happen and they, they end up coming out of it with like, having to come back to this house and deal with it based on like their writings and the things that are happening to them outside of the house. So it has like book themes here. It's not about a particular spooky book instead of it's like more of all of their spooky books coming into play. I mean, I, I think, yeah, a the, convergence I think that's like of a, spookiness. Yeah. I think that's a, like just about a quadruple spooky book. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, if people are fans of horror writing it's an interesting book because it kind of makes that meta you know like it, it looks at like the different kind of people who would be writing horror and stuff and it's really it's really it's a it's a it's a cool book and it is scary too so um you know it has it has it checks a lot of boxes if you're like a horror fan uh, uh what's your next one uh, mine is The Red Tree by Caitlin Kiernan, which I have recommended. I, I think this might be the last time I'm allowed to talk about The Red Tree by Caitlin Kiernan because I think this, this one needs to get retired because I've recommended it so much. Um, but the catalyst for this book, for The Red Tree, is this spooky, it, it's like a creepy manuscript found in the basement of an old farmhouse, which you know is never good. If you ever find yourself in a spooky house, don't touch anything you find in the basement. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Especially if it's uh, handwritten. Handwriting. Ooh, no. no, no. That's a bad idea. Don't touch no. that. Don't touch it. Don't even go in that basement. Just solder that door closed. <laughs> uh, but this book is so good. It really, truly is very fucking scary. Like, sleep with the lights on, stick this in the freezer, bury it in the backyard. Very scary book. Um, 
But the premise is it's also another writer story. So this writer, she moves to this like old farmhouse and in the basement, she finds this manuscript and the manuscript is handwritten and spooky (laughs) and all about this tree that's on the property and the writer of the manuscript uh, like at through the writing becomes like just completely fucking obsessed with this spooky tree and then of course the writer the main character of the book starts reading it and then she becomes obsessed with the spooky tree and it gets really strange and weird and scary and it is it's honestly one of my favorite haunted house books ever and it's one of my favorite spooky book house spooky book books ever Here's <laughs> it's the thing. so much fun if you find a manuscript and it is handwritten Whoever has time to write a handwritten manuscript is a ghost. So, like, <laughs> no one has time to handwrite a manuscript. No one alive. Woo. No one alive. But if they've had centuries, they have time. So, like, that is a ghost written manuscript. Burn that right away. Probably won't burn. Probably is is not. It, it can, will, oh, no. Fire cannot It'll consume just- it. It'll just like bleed or something. I will say (laughs) if I died and became a ghost and I realized that I just had to keep writing books in the afterlife, I would be pretty mad. Oh, yeah. What a bummer. Be like, I spent my entire life writing books and now this is what I have to do for eternity (laughs) and I can't even get them published. What a bunch of crap. (laughs) You know what they say. Find what you love and let it kill you. Um, Find what you love and let it kill you in perpetuity in a creepy basement for the rest of your life until some sort of exorcism situation happens. Uh, Bria, what is your next pick? Find a book you love and let it kill you. Okay. Um, (laughs) My last one is a book that came out this year, which I've already talked about, but I just thought it was really good and I want to give it another shout out. I do think this will... I know I'm not going to say it's absolutely going to be in my top books of the year, but I feel it is. Um, it's called The Year of Witching by Alexis Henderson. Um, I really liked this book. It's um, about a young girl, and she's in this cultish type religious group. Um, they aren't, and the whole thing about them is, like, they're not allowed to go into the forest. Because in the forest, that's where, like, the lady spirits live, who are very spiritual, very in touch with their bodies. And, like, we are not in touch with our bodies. We only marry the cult leader and, like, <laughs> wear long dresses. Um, and um, basically, she does go into the woods one day. And um, her mother was uh, um, a part of the cult, but then left the cult and then uh, was killed by the cult, I believe. And um, she goes into the, this, the woods and these spirits in the woods woods find her and they give her the jur- this journal this spooky book it's a journal and it, it belonged to her mother and it has a bunch of plagues in it that are going to happen and a bunch of things in it and it's very scary and basically it makes her realize like her mother was in cahoots with these spirits and maybe a bunch of bad shit is coming and and maybe she is more powerful than she ever thought she could be which i love books this might be my wheelhouse too is that like you the when a woman or a person realizes they're more powerful than they thought they were that's like a very specific thing that I love. And I think it's a little like of the Wizard of Oz, like it, the power was with you the whole time. You know, like yeah. it's a bit of that. Um, but that, but this is a fantastic book and it has this spooky journal at the center. And um, each section is named after a different part of the spooky journal. So you kind of like know what you're getting into. And um, yeah, yeah. So that's a good one. What, what's your last one? Uh, my last one is a big honking historical horror novel um I don't I've been really into them lately and I don't know why but this book is so so good it's from an author that I really really love it's the historian by Elizabeth Kostova um so this is again it's a honker this is like a huge fucking book um so it's centered around this 
this main character or this woman, and she finds this ancient book that leads her to investigate the truth behind the legend of Dracula. So she goes on this, like, very epic journey, and it's, like, again, there's, like, different time timelines going on and a lot of history around uh, Vlad Tepes and, and, uh, and Dracula and her own family and her father, and it is so, so good. So if this is another one where you're like, oh, it's Halloween, I want to read something that has to do with, like, vampires or monsters or witches or whatever, but I'm not ready to like be really really scared there's a few moments in the this book that are spooky but this book is this is not a freezer book um but it's awesome it's just like if, especially if you're nerdy if you like vampires or you like dracula or you're nerdy about that kind of stuff this is like a must read i think this was her her debut book and it was like one of the most successful debut novels of all time she ha- has other books out that i love i think this is the lady who wrote that book about bulgaria that i sent you yeah 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 cool oh cool um so this one is great. I, I've, I think I've actually read it twice. Um, it's just, it's so good. Um, so that is, that's Historian by Elizabeth Costova. We are like, clearly we really like this. If you folks have uh, books about spooky books, scary books, haunted books, possessed books, any kind of, of strange or weird book, please send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we talk to author and librarian, Megan Rosenblum, author of Dark Archives, which is the book I talked about uh, recently on the show, uh, which is the history and science of books bound in human skin, the ultimate spooky book about a spooky book. We're going to take a quick break. Hi, are you someone who thinks that when one door closes, another one opens? Someone who always sees the light at the end of the tunnel. If you answered yes to one or both of these questions, good for you. We are not those people. Nope. I'm Annabelle Gerwich, and I'm a, you know that other door opening? It probably leads to a broom closet kind of person. And I'm Laura House. When I see a light at the end of a tunnel, I assume it's a train headed right toward me. Laura and I have created a brand new podcast for people like us. It's called Tiny Victories. We're sharing personal tiny victories or things we've read or seen that inspire resilience. So if you're looking for a tiny reason to get out of bed each week, subscribe to Tiny Victories. Available on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get tiny. So here we are with author and librarian, Megan Rosenblum. Megan, thank you so much for joining us and happy Halloween. Thank you. It's our time. It is our time. It is our, as goth, goth booky ladies, it is definitely our power hour of the year. Uh, so what are you reading right now? Are you reading anything spooky? Well, I just, I just finished a couple books. My book club book uh, was Rainer Maria Rilke's Duino Elegies, which were amazing and death positive also. Uh, awesome. Not necessarily spooky, but definitely death positive. Um, during pandemic, I'm finding my reading bandwidth is like not so, so great. <laughs> but you are not alone. Yeah, but reading poetry, it almost like feels like food or something. Like you can eat a little bit of words. Um, so I'm keeping my beloved copy of John Berryman's Dream Songs next to my bed to oh, do a little awesome. like bibliomancy. I just turn to a random page at night see what it has to say if I'm too tired for my normal bedtime reading. But I think I'm about to dive back into uh, Safia Noble's Algorithms of Oppression. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, like it's the subtitles, How Search Engines Reinforce Racism. Because as a librarian, this is pretty essential reading stuff for me and has been on my TBR for like a really long time. 
But now it's even more exciting because I'm at UCLA and she's a professor there. So it's pretty cool to like read uh, an important work from someone at the same place where I am. Well, speaking of, your new book has just come out, Dark Archives. Can you please tell us about it? Because it is so amazing. Thanks. Uh, my book's called Dark Archives, A Librarian's Investigation into the Science and History of Books Bound in Human Skin. So I take you on a little kind of Mary Roach style journey to libraries and museums around the world to visit these alleged human skin books and uncover the history behind them. But I'm also part of an interdisciplinary scientific team that tests them to find out for the first time which ones are real and which are fake. And this is also a story about the history of clinical medicine, the way 19th century doctor bibliophiles were able to create the conditions where they came to see patients in such a depersonalized sort of abstracted way that they thought it was okay to save bits of their skin during dissection to bind their favorite books something that's so kind of nice yeah <laughs> it's like so unthinkable to us today but it's fascinating to unpack this uncomfortable history and it's sort of almost like a cautionary tale it can you know about the doctor patient relationship and what can happen if you're not actively you know aware of this tendency and working on to to keep that important clinical empathy Wow, that is, it's so much packed into one book. It's definitely, I mean, this whole episode is about spooky books. It's definitely a must buy for all people who, who love books and, uh, and weird stuff. So what sparked your interest in books bound in human skin? I first saw them when I was in library school. I went, I was visiting the Mütter Museum in Philadelphia, which is something I did a whole lot. It's an amazing medical pathology museum. And I saw these little brown boring looking books with their covers closed and I just couldn't believe my eyes that it said that they were bound in human skin by doctors and but I thought like so many other of the specimens at the mooter that they were just at the mooter they were just weird things that the mooter had but then I became a librarian and got interested in you know was already interested in rare books but got interested in the history of medicine I learned that there were a lot more out there than I had thought and then this uh, chemist at Harvard I tested their three books and found one to be real. And that was like a real, real big news in library land. And I interviewed him and we kind of compared notes and then we ended up joining forces <laughs> and the rest, I guess, is, you know, human skin book history or something. But <laughs> it launched me on this years long journey running around to find these books and, and learn more about them. I mean, it honestly sounds like the, the origin story for like the bookbusters. I mean, you guys just need a van and uh, some cool outfits. Yeah, it's like me, Daniel Kirby, uh, another chemist, Richard Hark, who's also like a heritage scientist and the curator at the Mütter Museum, Anna Doty. We have like a van. We don't have a van, but we're like <laughs> the Avengers of human skin books or something. I love it. Uh, so of all the books you write about in Dark Archives, do you have a favorite one, maybe one that has the most interesting story to you? There are some that are fascinating because they're particularly beautiful, like the 1898 Dance of Death or the Edgar Allan Poe uh, uh, Goldbug. But I would say the one with the most fascinating story comes from the Boston Athenaeum. It's interesting because it's the only one where the person actually consented and wanted this done with his body. And it's in human suede binding, I know. Human <laughs> suede. Yeah. Wow. And there's this, um, there's this book binding, uh, you know, not very well-known book binding term for suede bindings called ooze, O-O-Z-E. 
Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It makes it even creepier. Um, but it, the binding cases, the life story of this highway robber who kept busting out of prison and, you know, he's all these swashbuckling tales and, uh, we get to know George Walton more than any other human that was made into a book because he tells a story in his own words. And so I was so happy to hear from him directly that I gave him an entire chapter in the book. He was like the first thing I wrote for the whole book because he just jumped off the page, you know. Right, well, it sounds like he jumped into the page. <laughs> yeah, he, quite literally. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, so this episode is all about our favorite fictional books about scary books. Do you have any that you love? Any novels that have to do with or about creepy manuscripts or possessed or demonic books? Yes, I do. I really thought hard about this. Um, so one of a previous book club book I've done uh, is Elias Kennedy's Auto de Fe. Have you ever heard of it? No, I am so excited right now. <laughs> okay, so it's he was this well. The main character is this well-regarded but reclusive Viennese scholar, and he venerates books above all else. Right? He doesn't even really have furniture; he just has books, and that's all fine and good. And he's like a 40-year-old virgin, you know, the whole thing. And he marries his housekeeper. And then that just like, he just spirals into madness. And, you know, the term, it, it's the spoiler alert is in the title because auto de fe means death by burning. Oh, boy. So you can picture maybe what happens with the books here. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, Kennedy, Kennedy won the though. Nobel Prize in literature. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, and this and I but I had never heard of him before this was my book club book, but this book is a wild ride. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds incredible. Uh so at your your author, death positive uh activist, you are a librarian. We've got to know what is your re reader wheelhouse? What are the things that will always make you pick up a book? Okay, let's see if I can pop through these people walking around places thinking things <laughs> i love it <laughs> really big one for me ulysses you know sabal tehu cole anna burns everybody okay always people walking around thinking things uh spooky women for sure i'm sure that's not surprising nope. uh, books <laughs> written by friends uh, awesome books about books nice and for the past couple of years, it's been books that get me out of my wheelhouse. Oh, interesting. So I've made it a project that every, you know, other book or so that I, I try to make sure I'm reading something that's either a genre I normally don't gravitate towards or hear from a writer who isn't, you know, like pale and male because I realized how <laughs> pale and male. Oh my God. <laughs> all white dudes like all my favorite writers are white dudes so I've been really trying to expand uh, and every time I've been rewarded so every time I've gone into a new genre or a new uh you know or hearing from a different voice it's been good so that's been a great project that I'm probably just going to keep doing forever <laughs> amazing so dark archives is now out where can where can we buy it and are you doing any fun events that you want to talk about where can we find you online sure uh so you can buy it anywhere uh it's just a it, you know it's not an academic book it's like a commercial book so you can get it anywhere but i prefer uh that when if you're in the u.s if you want to buy it and get a really cool signed book plate um with art by another order of the good death member landis blair you can order that from skylight books in la support, supporting my local book 
my local indie store. Um, otherwise, you can go to meganrosenbloom.com for book info and events. You know, if you're outside of the U.S., there's a few places to get some uh, international shipping on those on those book plate ones. And I'm online as Library at Night on Twitter and Instagram. Love it. So good. Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Taylor writes in, I just started reading The Lady from the Black Lagoon. Thank you, Taylor. Uh, Typically, I am not a big nonfiction reader, but wow, Mallory, I am so captured by the story and your writing. Again. Thank you, Taylor. I really appreciate that. I'm about 50 pages in and I don't want to put it down, but clearly did to write this email. (laughs) This leads me to my reader question. How are you supposed to read footnotes? How do you read them slash everyone else? What I mean is, are you supposed to stop reading on the page where they're marked, jump down to the footnote for context and then keep reading? Or are you supposed to read the full page and read the footnote like the final paragraph or sentence? In the past, I've been known to skip some footnotes, which is question mark reader sin. But Mallory, yours are so interesting and funny. I get excited to read them. Taylor. You're wonderful. Thank you very much. But yeah, Bria, I was going to say, so you are an e-reader and that has a different footnote setup. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so it's definitely different for e-readers. Um, so with an e-reader, as you go, you actually can physically click on it and click back and it's like almost seamless. Like I know it is a footnote, but you don't have, there's not a lot of going back and forth. It's really easy to click on it, be done with it. You press the X, you're back exactly where you were. So it's, there's not a lot of going back and forth. Um, so I think for an e-reader, it works best to read them as you go. Um, personally, this is my personal opinion. I, I think we'll both get to the fact that we think you can do whatever the fuck you want. But um, <laughs> uh, for me, it often makes sense because I think they're at the end of a chapter in an ebook, And I if I get to the book, in the end of the chapter, I'm not going to remember what they were about. So I yeah. like to do them as I go along. Um, but, and I think especially for like Mallory's book or a book like Mary Roach's books, I personally think the footnotes are part of the reading experience. I think they're actually designed to be like a, like it's an aside, you know, like it's like when you're talking to someone and they go, oh, also blah, 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 blah. You know, like, it's like literally, you can't see me right now, but I'm holding my hand to my mouth and speaking out (laughs) the side of my mouth. Um, and I think it's that it's like a little, it's like just a little adventure. You go off to the side. It's a little side quest and then you come back. Um, but for, I think for a straight up nonfiction book, that's way more dense. I don't necessarily read it unless it's something I feel like I'm getting a lot out of. Like if it's a book about, um, you know, like a history of like a disease or something like that. If, if it goes into like the science of something that I'm like, I don't really understand this anyway. Like I, I'm not necessarily going to go and read those. So I do skip them on in, at certain times. It's just when I feel like they really like Mallory, I think, and, and Mary Roach and, and people like that, who I feel like it actually kind of plays into the way the book is supposed to be read. I like to read them, but honestly, it's really up to you. Um, uh, Taylor, uh, Mallory, what do you think? It's your book. Um, yeah, I definitely think you can read footnotes however you want. Me personally, as a nonfiction writer, and I think uh, authors like Mary Roach do the same. I put something in a footnote where it, the story, whatever I'm writing about, can stand completely apart. Like you don't need it, but it will enhance your experience. Like it. I mean, and to be fair, some of my footnotes are just stupid jokes. Um, but some of the other ones are like, oh, here's an additional fact about this thing that doesn't necessarily pertain to the subject of the book, but I find interesting. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so I totally just designed and I'm doing the same thing for girly drinks now where like I just design it so if you like want to know this extra thing about this 
this, this whatever subject this is you can but you could totally skip every single fucking footnote in the book and it won't take away from the experience um as a reader i normally uh, i'll do what an e-reader would do and i stop reading at the footnote and look down and read it and then just continue um what's funny is I am such a heavy footnote writer, but when I'm reading a book with footnotes, like a Mary Roach book, I actually have to stop myself from reading the footnotes first, because if I turn a page and I see one up ahead, my eyes automatically go to them. Oh yeah. Cause uh-huh. I like, I just, they just like stand out. So I kind of, sometimes I'll like keep my hand as a print reader, I'll keep my hand over the bottom until I get to the footnote marked in the text. Um, but I would say you can, a good author will, has it so you can read a book a footnote however you want however is comfortable for you and how i think you should focus on the way it least disrupts the flow of your reading skip them if you want Uh, i don't think that's a reader reader sin if you want to read them when you're done with the page that's totally fine too um again if a footnote contains information that's so important to the text that you shouldn't miss it it should be in the main text then it shouldn't be a footnote it should be part of whatever page you're reading so whatever for you taylor however it is least disruptive and most comfortable is that is totally fine as that includes just not fucking reading it at all yep uh so if you want us to solve your reader problem or answer your reader question you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com as always we want to thank danielle and kathy and jessica who run our facebook group and chrissy and rachel who moderate our goodreads page uh remember you can buy reading glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the maximum fun store there's a link in the show notes and if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more listeners. You can re- uh, email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast. You can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and, and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.